0: You're listening to another New Hope Chapel New Hope Podcast, Podcast. Podcast. This message is from our series on First Samuel, presented by Carl Nebbia, member of New Hope Chapel's teaching team.
1: We're going to continue uh, the message on Samuel. Uh, Steve introduced us in the, uh, the last two weeks uh, to the character of Samuel. And if we were to ask ourselves... If we were to ask ourselves, uh, who were our biggest heroes in the Bible, how many of you would name Samuel? Okay, he's, not, he's not like at the top of the list, is he? In fact, last year we, we uh, did a series on judges, and during that series, so last year we did this series on, uh, on judges, and we portrayed them as some of the great superheroes of the Bible, and one of the great things I found is that you can go out and you can buy Christian action figures. And uh, these are a few of the ones that are available. I showed these last year. We got Joshua over there on the left. Uh, we've got Samson here. And then you can get Jesus, who comes with a number of extra things, the loaves and the fishes and, and so on. It's really fascinating what you can buy over the, over the internet. Uh, but you can get these Christian action figures. And of course, as you note, Samuel's not one of them. Samuel is not thought to have been big and muscular. Uh, We don't have any picture of him. He's not really described to us in the scripture in a way, maybe like Jesus, where we might have a sense, maybe we've just seen so many pictures of Jesus, we have a sense of what he looked like. Samuel is never described in that way, so we really don't have any idea uh, what he looked like. Now, over the years, there's been quite a bit of art done, Uh, and some of it relates to Samuel. So some people have in fact pictured Samuel like this. Here he is serving in the temple, uh, praying, Uh, pretty young there, maybe a little bit of girlish haircut, at least having been a Marine, I'd say maybe it's a little bit of a girlish haircut. I I wouldn't necessarily have pictured him this way. Uh, Others have painted him uh, like this. So if you come from a Greek Orthodox background, you might be very likely uh, to have pictured Samuel uh, in this way. And then there are still others, at least a few, that picture him like this. And uh, this view does not have very much support by biblical scholars, because most biblical scholars say there's nobody in the Bible that ever smiled that much. So, so it, it just simply cannot cannot be him. So, uh, So we're going to go on and deal with uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 today, and we're going to talk about Samuel. And how first I think it is important for us to understand, though, how important Samuel really is. And one of the ways we can do that in looking at the scripture is to we see places where uh, different heroes of the Bible are listed. And by your association with that list, I think you can be judged as being part of that. Uh, for instance, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, we see a long list of people who were uh, extolled for their faith. And in that list, we in fact see Jephthah, who was the judge that I taught on last year, not one of my favorite characters, but evidently a man of faith. And in that list, we see Samuel listed also. So he's thought of as one of the, the great uh, men of the faith. We also see in Psalm 99, uh, verse 6, that Samuel is listed alongside Uh, Moses uh, and Aaron as among those who called on the name of the Lord. So again, a small group, only three major players. Jeremiah 15, verse 1, refers to Moses and Samuel among those who might stand before the Lord. So once again, you have a very long Bible. You only have a certain number of people get mentioned. And Samuel is one of those people. He is a very key Person in the scripture. Now, what we see Samuel ultimately do is he becomes uh, clearly one of the one, if not the last, judge in Israel, but he is also the prophet who then leads to the transition into the dynasty or the kingship of Israel, where uh, ultimately David comes on the throne, David establishes his line, and of course, a critical part of that is ultimately it leads to the line of the Messiah. So as Samuel is fit into the scripture, he is a very key turning point. He is clearly someone that God has set apart to himself for a purpose. He plays a very, very key role in what we find in the scripture. Now, today we're going to read this. Uh, we're going to take, uh, take a chance here uh, as we read the scripture. We're going to do kind of a play. And as we discuss this idea of uh, being set apart, being called, I think it's important for us to understand that the Old Testament word, kadosh, that relates to this, is a word that essentially meant holy. It was a word that was used to describe God himself, uh, his character, and so on. But when it's applied to people and to things and to places it often meant to be devoted, uh, to be set apart, uh, to be dedicated to. And that often involved somebody setting that person or thing apart, saying this hill, this, this building, this book, this whatever, is set apart uh, for God. So, so the term holy means, once again, set apart in this way as God is set apart, but also as we talk about other things and other people, it involves, certainly in the Old Testament word, this concept of being set apart uh, to God, even set apart by God. Uh, Now, in the New Testament, the word that is most often used uh, and translated into this concept is the word sanctified. And in that particular case, what we see is that God himself sanctifies us or sets us apart by his spirit. So while much of the parts of the Old Testament, we see a lot of people dedicating things uh, and so on to the Lord, uh, we see God sanctifying uh, people in the New Testament. We see him very active. Now, it doesn't mean that there wasn't God setting apart in the Old Testament. In fact, I think we'll see by the example we're going to read today that Samuel... You'll see some of both in his life uh, in this thing going on. So so we are uh, going to uh, act this out today. And with the variety show coming up next week, I thought I would kind of do this as a rehearsal for the show. And this is going to be a one-act play called The Call of Samuel, written by God. So, So. uh, I have assigned some of the tasks, but one of them I didn't get to give out yet because uh, I need somebody um, who has a beard. Jo- Josh? Okay, man. Okay. So so there's four characters. There's four people in this play. Uh, Denise is going to play the narrator, so if you could please come up on this side. We have a microphone for you. We've now picked out Josh. Uh, Okay, sorry, Josh. Uh, I should have warned you to get dressed for the part, but that's that's okay. Josh is going to be Samuel, who or Eli, who's going to be dozing himself. And then I asked around, and Beth Smith suggested that Bill play God because he likes to do that and does it quite often. (laughs) So uh, so Bill gets Bill gets the the God microphone. Okay, so. You are seeing on the screen here all the words, the scripture. We are seeing, on the other hand, a color-coded version, so everybody knows which parts to say. Now, let me, and hopefully nobody will get injured. We may have a mistake or two. And sorry, Josh, you get the blue words, okay? Now, here, I've actually marked this as Eli Blue. That way, you won't forget that. We won't forget that. You won't forget that and I am going to be Samuel. Uh, okay, it was, I, I figured if Ben Affleck could assign himself the lead role in his movie, i get to, I get to do this too. So, uh, and it's hard, you know, it's not. So as, just to give you a little uh, background uh, today, uh, just so you get the setting, uh, it's, the story starts as Samuel and Eli are about to hit the sack. After a long day of sacrificing, uh, they've cleaned up all the basins. They've trimmed the lampstand just enough so it will burn. The oil will burn uh, through overnight. They've laid out clean ephods for the next day. Uh, Samuel probably slept somewhere near the ark, though it was probably another cell uh, for ministering priests. So that's that's where we're going to begin today. Sorry, I need a couple. Just. Add to the effect. If you'd like to sit down there and look like you're about to go to sleep, I, on the other hand, being Samuel, a young boy of about (laughs) the age 12, uh, I'm I'm ready. See, my mother actually took good care of me. She sends me my quilt and so on. So if we could start with the narrator, please.
2: The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered,
1: Here I am.
2: And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called. Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said,
1: Here I am. You called me.
2: My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel went up and got to, went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as other times,
1: Samuel, Samuel.
2: Then Samuel said, Speak. For your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel,
1: See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. And at that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrificing or offering.
2: Samuel laid down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything, if hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word, and Samuel's word came to all Israel.
1: Thank you. So the Bible in real life, at least pretty pretty close, pretty close, Uh, so What we have in this story, we have a story about a young man. Scholars think he may have been around 12 years old. Uh, He was working in the temple, uh, possibly apprenticing, you may say, under Eli, uh, the priest, during a a dry time in Israel's history. It says that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Uh, The scripture in this portion also tells us that there was no king, and essentially the people did whatever they wanted to do. So today we're going to talk about Samuel's being set apart and called. But the first uh, point that we really need to grasp, and I'm going to switch. Uh, sorry, I, I neglected to ask somebody to switch the button halfway through. But anyway, it'll be better Saturday night. If anybody <laughs> want theirs, come back on Saturday night. Uh, so anyway, this is a picture of uh, Hannah bringing Samuel uh, to Eli. And the first chapter of Samuel, as Steve talked about a couple uh, weeks ago, is essentially about Hannah. It's about her struggle. She doesn't have a child. She cries out to the Lord. Uh, she's, she's praying. Eli thinks she's drunk. He comes over to speak to her, and she shares her heart uh, with him about her you know, what her heart's cry is. And in the end, Eli says something to her, assuring her that uh, she's going to have a child. She's encouraged. She believes that she's going to be uh, taken care of. And therefore, it says that she was no longer downcast. Now, then the Lord hears her prayer. Uh, She does have a child, brings him up, names him uh, Samuel. And then... She brings him to the temple uh, and dedicates him there to the Lord soon after he's been weaned. So he's probably not very old. Maybe maybe a year, maybe two years, uh, and so on. But she brings him to the temple uh, uh, to dedicate uh, him to the Lord. Nothing about this so far has been about Samuel or his call. This has all been about Hannah's life, her her struggle, her heart's cry, ultimately, her uh, blessing by God, her commitment to God and her action uh, toward God. Now, uh, in the end, she brings this child to the, to the temple. So I know we have a couple um, let me put the other uh, here it is. We have a couple young women in the church who have recently had children. Are uh, any of them uh, we have plenty that have young children here, but you no, know, your wife is not here. Okay, well I'll pick out one another, another one that has fairly young children. Andrea, don't 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 turn your eyes away. Don't turn your <laughs> eyes away. Sorry. Is this still is this still on? So the question for Andrea can you Daryl, you hold it, is is you have a couple children who I know I know by your Facebook posts are a real blessing to you. (laughs) Is that right? Yes, yes Yes, they are. You would consider them a real blessing to you?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: And I realize there might be a couple days where you would think differently, but would (laughs) would you ever, when one of your lovely little children was a year or two old, have taken them, let's say, to the Converge headquarters in Orlando, Florida and turned them over to the head person and said, I'm dedicating my child to God. I'm turning him over to you. Would you have done that?
0: Depends on which day you're asking.
1: Okay, No. well, at least we've got a little bit of honesty <laughs> here. That's...
0: I don't know if I could let my babies go.
1: Good, Good answer. I could not do that. In fact, these guys were scoundrels. They were bums. Steve explained this last week. These guys were bums. And Hannah, through her personal struggle and her decision and her whatever she heard from God, delivers her young child to these scoundrels. I don't think it's a very good idea. But it was whatever was going on in Hannah's life. And I really can't give an answer for that. But you have to understand, the situation we have as of the beginning of chapter 3 is this has been all about Hannah. About what she went through, what she concluded to do, her response to God. And none of it has involved Samuel in reality. He's essentially an inert object placed in this business. So he is taken to the temple. He's delivered to the temple. I assume that somebody there is, is clothing and feeding him, although I'm sure Hannah brought you know, his, his blanket when she came for that one visit a year. Uh, but somebody's taking care of him, and he's undergoing from age one or two this very long apprenticeship and teaching, working in the temple uh, alongside Eli. He's learning how to pray. He's learning how to sacrifice. He's learning what implements Eli has. He's learning where uh, the writings are, and he's probably learning the writings as part of that. But, as it tells us in verse 7, through those 11 or 12 years of training, where he's becoming what I would say is like the ultimate altar boy, he was still missing... What all altar boys are missing. And that is, he did not yet know the Lord. After 11 or 12 years working in the temple day in and day out, it says he didn't know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So all of a sudden, the issue here really changes. It's no longer Hannah's story about what she went through, the commitment that she made. It becomes all about Samuel. And God comes to him to speak to him. So, the first thing I think we have to recognize uh, in this idea of calling being set apart is that God's calling is ultimately between each one of us and God, and must start with God bringing us to know him and revealing his word, that is himself, he was the word, to us. It doesn't matter in this context how good Hannah was, what she had promised to do, uh, how much teaching that Samuel may have gotten, whether he had good Sunday school teachers, whether he showed up every Sunday to church or temple or Saturday to temple, uh, whatever he did, all the service that he did to that point, though it was terrific training, though it prepared him in so many ways maybe to understand what ultimately God would have of him, he did not yet know the Lord, and the Lord had not revealed himself, had not revealed his word to Samuel at this point. And it's critical for us to understand, as we are praying for our friends, as we are praying for our children, as we are praying for our workmates, and we're interacting with them, we're training them, we're doing all kinds of nice things for them. Ultimately, every one of us has to come to the point of a direct personal interaction with Jesus Christ. It is never, in the end, based out of what mom did for me, what dad did for me what some friend did for me. It is never in the end based on it. Every one of us needs to come to the point of, you may say, confrontation with God. It may be that place where suddenly you are overwhelmed, possibly with shame about your own personal sin. It may be a place where suddenly God comes in, you have a physical need, and you get healed, and God touches your, your life. Someone else may come up and share the gospel with you and there's just something overwhelming about it that speaks to you, uh, that has to happen in each and every one of our lives. I don't want to make light, I will never make light, of the importance of parents dedicating their children to God. Uh, That is an important step for the parents. But ultimately, the The change, the life-changing step in every believer's life comes about as they interact with God, as God brings them to their knees, as God heals them, as God speaks to them. That is the point of being set apart, of God's calling. And Samuel experiences it in such a wonderful way. So this first part... We've got to be settled on this. We will try uh, working with our kids. Our, you know, we've got lovely little babes now who are just you know, brand new among us. But as you're praying for them, yes, pray for, pray for their blessing. Uh, pray, pray for their understanding. Pray that they would be good kids. Uh, pray all of these things. But ultimately pray that they would meet God face to face. That's the critical point. Never stop praying that God would meet them face to face. So, Samuel, of course, we see this, we see this happen to. Um, and uh, God then begins to set Samuel apart. So here we begin to see that difference between the Old Testament concept of people setting things apart unto God and ultimately God setting things apart unto himself, the sanctification that we hear uh, in the New Testament. So uh, our call before God, your call before God, is not your parents' doing, it's not your friends or your spouses doing, your Sunday school teachers. Uh, It is what God uh, wants uh, from you. And he wants to speak to you And he wants you, of course, uh, to listen. When Jesus is speaking to Peter and Peter declares that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, what does Jesus tell him? That this this was revealed to him by God. He didn't didn't figure it out on his own. Uh, It was revealed to him uh, by God. And and John 1, 13 tells us that children, uh, children of God are born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. That's how this happens. So where do we go from there? Samuel not only gets called uh, in this place, but he is then given a calling. He's given a purpose. He's directed down a certain path. And I think one of the questions we, we often have is, what does that mean? Is that is that something that special people have? You know, that this guy got a calling? Uh, we see, for instance, uh, Samuel in this case. He actually, God comes and stands with him. And that's where his his uh, you know, call is initiated. God actually stands with him. And in doing that, that kind of sets Samuel in a, maybe a different category. I'm not too sure. Uh, but he, uh, in fact... Uh, meets God there. On the other hand, God came and spoke to Moses through a burning bush. God knocks Saul down on the road to Damascus. But others we see in the scripture are not like that at all. Joseph, we don't particularly hear about him meeting with God. We do see God's blessing on him and ultimately he does receive visions. In the same way, we see others. David, for instance... You often hear David talking about speaking to God and hearing from God, but you don't see cases where David is mixing this personal presence of God. So I think we have to conclude that for each of us, this interaction takes on kind of a different form, a different fashion. In fact, with Elijah, God comes to him and he stirs up a huge storm, or at least there is a huge storm that breaks up the mountains, and God was not in that. Uh, There's a fire, and God was not in that. Uh, There's an earthquake, and God was not in that. And the scripture says that in the end, God was in a whisper. Uh, In fact, the the old King James refers it as a still, small voice. And that, I think, is how many of us uh, go on uh, hearing what God wants. So the way in which God calls us uh, is is going to vary uh, by Uh, by person. But then again, I think the thing to understand is that the specific calling and purpose uh, also varies tremendously. Uh, Samuel, in the end, was called to be a prophet. When I was a young believer, uh, I was uh, uh, really struck by the fact that uh, I was at the Naval Academy. I was confused about who I was and what I was supposed to do. I had just become a believer, and I concluded, I thought anyway, that I needed to leave there because everybody that was a dedicated Christian went to Bible school and became church pastors, right? So I was really confused. And in the end, the Lord ministered to me and I think assured me that that was not what I needed to do. So I finished my time at the academy, went on in the Marine Corps. And uh, later, as part of a church, I was part of a church community that so emphasized shepherding to the detriment of all else. If you weren't a shepherd, you weren't anything. So I did the usual. I ran small groups. uh, I taught a lot on Sunday. uh, And ultimately, I became uh, a pastor of one of the small congregations uh, that they had. And that was one of the most difficult times of my life, doing that. And as I struggled... People would come up to me and say, well, Carl, do you have the call? And I thought to myself, hmm, the call? What is the call? You know, Don't you have the call? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I just kept pursuing what God had had in front of me, and this is where I've ended up. And I said, well, man, you've got to have a feeling for the call. Well, I think in reality, some people do get the call. You know, they get something very clear. Uh, Like that. But most of us, I think the message is much more subtle what we are to become. And in fact, for many of us, we may, after a period of years, all of a sudden it dawns on me this is what God has made me into, this is what He's using me for. And it may, you may say, well, is that exciting? Is that good? In, In my particular case, after many, many years, I had a very clear sense that God was saying to me, Carl, I want you to be an example of the reality that every Christian has a spiritual life and every member of the body can participate in the spiritual life of the church and in the community, other ministries, not just inside the church ministries. But it is a matter for everyone to become part of that spiritual ministry. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be somebody that says, where everybody says, well, that's, that's the person But you are to participate, and you're to be an example of that. And for that reason, I've had lots of people ask me to come and sing at the front with everybody else, as I have this beautiful, angelic voice. But for two reasons, I don't do that. One is that I believe God has called me to be part of the greater congregation and to sing from out there. The other part is I don't know the words and I like to sing with my eyes closed. And when you don't know the words and your eyes are closed, you can't sing up front. So, so that's a critical second part, is that God uh, calls us uh, each in kind of a different way, and then ultimately the calling he's given us is different. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out here. I know we're running a little bit long. Uh, but the last key point here is if you read to the end of the chapter uh, and then read the first verse of the next chapter, is that the critical thing about our calling, our being set apart ultimately to whatever it is God has us, he's the one who gifts us. He's the one who turned Samuel from this young boy into the prophet of Israel. And ultimately, it wasn't Samuel couldn't practice to be a prophet. He couldn't work hard at being a prophet. He couldn't be good enough to be a prophet. But it was the fact that God ensured that none of his words fell to the ground. And when we're looking ahead to what has God called me to, what does he want me to do with my life? Keep that in mind that as he begins to call you into something, as he begins to gift you with some abilities, uh, something to do in the church or the community that has this spirit about it, that's God's spirit moving in you, keep in mind he's the one that's got to make it work. Okay? And I say that so that you might not live in fear, always worried about whether you're going to be able to carry it out or not, but also at the same time, always worried about trying to make it happen, we've got to be able to continue to call out to the Lord, say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. That he wants us to continue to say this in our daily prayer to God. Speak, for your servant is listening. And if you don't hear something that day, that's okay. Samuel ran to the wrong guy three times. Okay? If you don't hear it the first day, just go back, include it in your prayer, include it in your quiet time. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. And then when you have a sense of what he's doing, what he's saying to do, do it. You know, ponder it as Mary pondered the message to her. Think about it. What could this mean to me? Lord, what would you have me to do? And then begin to step out in what he speaks to you to do. He will speak as you say, Lord, I'm here. Speak, and I'm listening. Amen.